Dealing With It, a podcast about rolling with the punches. This is a mother and son podcast. I am Trish. I'm the mom. My name is Matt, and I am the son. Thank you so much for joining us today. We also have today. Katie, Katie is, of course, here. <laughs> Every once in a while, Katie uh, pops in and helps us out because she's pretty smart. We like her. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. today we're talking about, uh, we will be talking about um, stress in general, but most uh, mostly we watched the documentary on HBO, mm-hmm. One Nation Under Stress, which Katie has now seen twice. Mm-hmm. So, so can, can we fill in some gaps? Twice is nice. Because I was taking quite a bit of notes on this. Matt, I really, I liked it. Yeah. To me, um, it answered, it answered a lot of questions of things I have been noticing and seeing, um, but I didn't know why. And I, and for me, understanding and seeing this this documentary has helped me answer some questions in my head gave me a lot more to think about than answers too i mean i Same. it was really really good i was uh, yeah i was kind of filled both with uh an optimism for like where the future could go but yeah. also a bit of a uh heaviness about where we're currently at mm-hmm. but before we get into that sure we have we have some goals to discuss from last week yes um so my goals were to ride my bike and to work on some solo music. Uh, also, sorry if there's some background construction noise. It's the neighbors. But um, we, uh, I, the again, the weather. The weather was it, not in my favor for the bike riding no, this week. Um, today, that we're recording, is beautiful. It is, but, you know, right now, Idaho springtime, it's going to be beautiful. And, <laughs> yeah. and in a couple minutes, we could have some snow. So Yeah, yesterday we were walking the we were walking the dogs around and just kind of got hit with a little snowstorm, or yeah. not snowstorm, uh, just rainstorm yeah. out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, so I worked, I did, I, I practiced the piano a little bit, and I worked on some music stuff, but not as much as I was hoping for, and uh, I didn't quite get as much bike riding done as yeah. I was hoping for. But what are you going to do? What are you going to do? <clears throat> Mine was also a, a bit more contingent upon the weather. Uh, it was getting outside and starting to get my uh, deck, my patio, uh, cleaned up, ready ready to go for being able to hang out there outside. I did some, but there's still some left. And again, let's just call it the weather. Let's call it what it was. It was yeah. It was cold and blustery. And, it was working and against us. And then you'd us. have moments of just beautiful, brilliant, mm-hmm. you know. And it just makes you, uh, I, I don't know, I love where we live. We do get all of the seasons. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah. Sometimes they don't; they overlap a little too much. <laughs> Absolutely, I, yeah. I know. I kind of wish we got a little more of the fall and spring, and less of the winter and summer. Oh, yeah. But it's okay. It's all right. Um, mm-hmm. Also, uh, so how how has your week been? It has been, um, it's been a pretty good week. A little, this is that week leading up into getting the taxes done, and for me, there's just paperwork that's still been hanging out there that I can't, uh, I can't get it yet so i um am feeling that stress it's been a stress um on that i've been feeling for months yeah about how is this going to turn out i still don't have an answer and um it, it's it, you know it's there so um i went ahead and decided i would um file an extension because i do have an accountant but the paperwork's just not all put together yet so um I filed this extension. Well, that requires you to get your computer and go on Google and look for where you need to go to learn about how you file an extension. And then you go, and that gives you your opportunity to, I don't know, do your electronic registration or something with yeah. the IRS.gov, which is fine. But then you go through all those procedures and things just to find out that somehow you're 
email has already been used in there because I guess I had set up a something before once and so then you have to remember your old password or try to no, like figure well no out. so I don't even have so I put in your dad's email which I kind of have been trying to avoid going into dad's email stuff but I needed an email address that they didn't yeah. have with anyway so it's just by the end of it you just want to be drinking alcohol and and looking at your computer yeah. and listening to your Carol King music and just crying about how miserable you are. Well, I yeah, I hate it's, it. I hate <laughs> this with a passion, and it's already my kind of an aversion fear. Mm-hmm. And there I am, and just to get it, just to get an extension on my pain is yeah. uh, uh, was was difficult. Well, yeah, because I know for you, uh, like we've talked about before on the on the podcast too, is that uh, money was never the thing that you felt. Like you wanted to to no. to take care of and right. stuff so like that was what dad was more of the finance right uh, person yeah. and so now you have to one be the finance person yes. uh, and also well, have and to you're like un- you're uncovering rocks of because although your dad was the finance person he wasn't great he at wasn't it. a professional financier no. so you're p- turning over rocks as things have been coming in then you just notice that he didn't have taxes pulled from his things yeah uh-huh. <laughs> so great um so i don't know what this will all mean and um if i if i have to uh i don't know I'll, it'll be fine it, like, yeah. i know i will still be fine it's just i'm not good at this insecurity uh this feeling of insecurity it's giving me great stress yeah um but you know okay i I can do it, and I uh-huh. feel like this is one of the one of the the last really big hurdles of the unknown. Um, For sure, money wise, certainly. I I hope um, with that. So I've had I've just I've had to to face things I don't like and and push through, and um, I don't like it. Yeah, I don't. I, like I don't, I don't like it. For sure, I don't like it either. <laughs> um, no, it is. It's, that's like that's a huge stressor. Like financial stuff in general yeah. is just a big pain in the yeah, butt. It is. And then I feel like I feel like taxes. That stuff's like purposefully confusing. I don't oh, know. Yeah. Let's have, you have to hire someone to help you. You and, do. You think you're an intelligent woman until until you are in a system that just isn't lined up the way I'm thinking. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm not saying they're right or wrong. I'm just saying accessing how they think is not uh-huh. easy. But to file an extension. You still have to go through and write down what you think you are going to, uh, what your tax liability is, mm. and then what you are paying, and and if there's a difference that is to the government's favor, even in an extension, you're supposed to be paying the difference. But how do I know what I owe if I don't have all my stuff? Oh, yeah. This is my question. I don't. I don't like that at all. Well, it felt like a catch twenty two, and so. I just wrote down how much I'd already paid as, you know, that has already been taken out of things. And I wrote that as what I think I'll owe. And I zeroed it out and I sent in an extension. Because, yeah. you know, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Right. <laughs> but like, I meant good. Well, meant well, yeah, that's what happens with estimating. <laughs> um, <laughs> I rounded down. <laughs> well, and, and for me, like, when it comes to stuff like that, like filing extension, like, yeah. for the, the one that I, keeps getting me is the this whole wanting to look back into going to school, mm-hmm. um, getting back in as like a non-traditional student. The things that I've noticed in life that give like me the most anxiety, and I feel like maybe it's kind of a hereditary uh, thing, <laughs> yeah. is when there's a lot of small 
tasks to complete like the bigger picture. So like right. even just like Googling what I need to do, then going to that website, then reaching out via email, and then having to re- like figure out about like yeah. it's just set up your account. Yeah, exactly. It's the small what little things past? leading up to it that it, I, it just immediately makes me feel like oh I don't want to do this. Right? Yeah. Uh, Until it is. It, it's almost I don't want to do this almost to where I'm not going to do this you oh, can't yeah. make me I mean you can almost just get yourself on the side of I'm opposed to doing this and uh-huh. and, and um, almost as a, out of a power struggle right like well with taxes it's like okay well, I have to do this yeah. and my thing with school it's like there's it's not going anywhere <laughs> yeah. but I would like to get on it you know I'm not 90 yet uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I was actually talking with my therapist this week about um Possibly looking back into going on anti-anxiety medication mm-hmm. as well as like continuing therapy and stuff because yeah. I know that the two uh, together have shown to work really well, medication sure. and talk therapy. But I I don't know. And I have some heavy hang-ups on it. I'm still deciding. Right. Um, but like as you know, like I, when I was younger, probably yeah. like 14 or so, yeah. I, I was on anti-anxiety and yeah. antidepressant me- medication. And it worked wonders, I thought. Yeah. And it, I think it got you over the hump to where you were able at that time to to um, get a handle on what it, what was going on. I mean, I think you you really needed something to get you over that, but it was not. You didn't intend it to be a lifetime. No, thing, no, so no. And it wasn't for you. And well, because like at the time too, uh, I guess just a little background. I didn't, you know, I started when I was like it's like thirteen or fourteen. Really, mm-hmm. I can't even really remember how however old you are. It's like sixth grade. Yeah, it's about the time your dad was initially diagnosed with. Um, yeah cancer that's true and it was about the time that uh, you had a brother who was graduating from high school I mean there were a lot of yeah. factors of change and I don't know why I, it also is probably some puberty issues the hormonal sure. issues there was some sort of hormone wonkiness and I just had a, a really hard time uh, leaving the house <laughs> yeah it was and um, and you were so lovely I don't know if you even remember this once you were on really the other side of it and feeling more like yourself. Coming back to it, did you know? Do you remember thanking Dad and I? Oh yeah. You told us you said thank you for sticking with me, and I thought, are you stinking crazy? You're my <laughs> child, of course. I know. We stick. We stick. <laughs> you can't shake us, son. But well, it was like what a beautiful thing to say. You're over the hump of that, and you were grateful for the support. Oh, and still am, still am, because I really had no idea. Like now, and like talking with my therapist, like. She'll use her like generalized anxiety disorder, generalized panic. Like these are just things that like I I operate w- at just a baseline of feeling a little uneasy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just what I do. I mean, and, like there's ways to like with mindfulness. I, I've been trying meditation, yeah. doing more things like exercise and diet to keep that general level of anxiety lower. Mm-hmm. But I'm coming to to seeing that it's just it's just always there. And sometimes it's like quieter and sometimes it's louder. And that's where I'm kind of thinking, because back then when I did, we did finally start hearing words like anxiety disorder, like depressive disorders and stuff like that's where it was like, okay, let's try this medication. And for me, it kind of worked uh, right from the get go. I was put on Zoloft and just for me, it just matched whatever I needed. Um, But I wasn't operating at any level of anxiety and and it didn't impede me being like happy or excited about things mm-hmm. and i would really like to get back to that because when it comes to the idea of like for me a school and like i want to just be able to sort of have the motivation and then dive mm-hmm. in instead of yeah. have the motivation and get immediately turned off by yeah. all the different factors and all the things right. that in my head i'm like it's just right. too much to do you know and if you were 
a diabetic, you would not be saying, I don't know if I want insulin or not. You yeah. know what I mean? Right, right. This is not, this is not that different, mm. that, that the medication is not a failure. Yeah. It is saying, I have goals, I'm going to get there, and I'm going to um, work through that, you know. Co- I, completely. With whatever tools are available to me. Um, and, and I, too, you know, mm-hmm. have, have been on anxiety medications, um, medication and and still am and and i'll, I'll i didn't know say that i you didn't know that i didn't know that you're on anti-anxieties right now it's a is a depression or anti-anxiety i don't yeah, know yeah. I've, I, yeah i've been yeah. taking it's normally about the same yeah it's mm-hmm. this, i think it's for the same thing like and i've been ssris um, or whatnot taking it for since i was in about 40 so 15 huh. 17 yeah. years well, yeah i guess i did know that i yeah. just hadn't well, you know, I don't leave my we don't, drugs on the ta- counter. We're not talking about it all the no, time, I guess. Heaven's but. sakes. <laughs> heaven's sakes, I don't want everybody to know my business. This conversation is just between me and you. you. <laughs> what I'm saying is, though, I did go off of it at one point, and I, um, I knew pretty quickly I like me better on it. Yeah. And I don't think I walk around acting hyper mm-hmm. overly joyful. God knows. Not, but, <laughs> um, but for whatever chemical imbalance I have in me that, uh, this allows this counteracts it enough for mm-hmm. me to be able to live the life I like. Yeah, absolutely. And like, that's where it's great. I mean, it's cause it's a case by case thing. Like anyone listening to this too, who's dealing with like anxiety disorders or depressive disorders. There's, yeah. there's no one like, path to to follow like there are people who really do manage things with with just diet and exercise and and mindfulness and stuff and like that's where in my in my heart i would like to be able to do that but it's also one of those things where it's like i'm i think i'm i'm okay now with admitting to myself that it's not like you say it's not a failure to be like okay i think medication might actually be uh beneficial especially because i have like a I have a, a point of reference to point back to, to where for me it really was beneficial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I've been thinking about that a lot this week, yeah. for sure. Um, well, and, and uh, I'm just going to segue then because what we're talking about yeah. this stress that that we've felt absolutely um, was actually the subject of the documentary One Nation Under Stress mm-hmm. that's currently being it's on HBO now. Yeah, that was put on by Dr. Sanjay Gupta. Mm-hmm. Such a good one, but but I have uh, you and I both yeah. just have some notes because I know that we want to 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 speak correctly when we when we're speaking of it but um the life expectancy is actually currently dropping the mm-hmm. age, the life expectancy age is in regression a little bit here in the united states yeah deaths of despair and the de- deaths of despair in white americans they were talking about yeah the white is, working class is increasing mm-hmm. and those would be overdose suicide cirrhosis of the liver mm-hmm. so drinking too much yeah drinking yeah too much That's- those are self-medicating our pain and our stress mm-hmm. um, but but it's causing the stress is causing Americans to die younger than we used to yeah it's in the and over uh, in the last 17 years um, suicide rate in the country has gone up 30 percent right uh, and it's like they, they are sort of able to point these things to what is happening in like the the like middle class like yeah. working class people yeah. and he was saying like yeah it's it's pretty no, prevalent or, or noticed in like is the 
white, like 35 to age 55 working class. Right. People, I mean, because we're, you know, factories are shutting down in like the Midwest, all like these like steel mills over in Pennsylvania and stuff. Like, that's, mm-hmm. yeah. And it's, so it's causing these families who are like, oh, I have a steady job. I have, uh, I, you know, I, I have kids and I have things I have to pay yeah. for and stuff. And now it's like, oh, where's the money going to come from? Of course. And it's, yeah, it's causing more. And uh, these are, the people who thought their lives would be different, mm-hmm. who I'll follow, I'll be in the mill like dad was in the mill and I'll work hard. And the person who works hard and does their best, good things come their way. They mm-hmm. get paid, they can buy a house, but that's just not the way it's working out. And it's unexpected, but the stressors they talked about that caused this in people are lack of control, mm-hmm. uh, lack of predictability mm-hmm. and lack of social support. Mm-hmm. And, those are increasing. Those lacks are increasing mm-hmm. in a, a good number of people. Um, and if if I can relate that to your your dad passing away, my husband passing mm-hmm. away, I had for the years that he was uh, struggling with cancer. And I mean, so we're talking ten years or more of of that. There was lack of control. I couldn't fix it. It yeah. was unpredictable. Didn't know how it was going to be. The lack of social support, I did not, uh, I didn't feel that unless I uh, took that on myself, you know? Yeah, yeah. Unless I felt like I need to draw back from people and just just be alone for a while. Yeah. Um, the social support is there, but like we've talked about in the past, sometimes that social support is just a little misfired. <laughs> yeah. And, <clears throat> and, you know, how you support friends who are going through those things, but... Um, but those those lacks are increasing in the middle in the middle mm-hmm. class. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, the the one of the things that the documentary that I found really really fascinating was talking about the like the social aspect of of health and of, of life expectancy, and it, it did seem like at at some point, um, you know, because they're saying like the the middle class was like booming until like what like eighty two eighty three, mm-hmm. and that's where it was. Yeah started to kind of go downhill from and, well, at some and point, so from there there's a shrinking middle class and an increase mm-hmm. in people in poverty mm-hmm. and and an increase you know in the uh would you say more wealthy mm-hmm. people yeah yeah they, they were saying i think it was uh I wrote down the whitehall study that they were um referencing in the the documentary right. was i think the the question they were trying to ask was do people in the upper class experience more stress because like that's sort of the mentality we have is like oh these people who are the wealthiest it's because they worked the hardest they got yeah, up i know they make the big decisions yeah they made yeah, up there that's it, why they get the big bucks uh-huh so their stresses must be something incomparable to my own uh, but what they really found was it was kind of like the lower the status the really the the more stress and the uh the lower the life expectancy yeah. mm-hmm. and especially in the middle class it it's it can be uh, strained because there's room to go up and room to go down. Right. Like people who are at the the very bottom rung, um, I don't say they're not not happy or anything, but there's a bit more of an acceptance of like, okay, sure. this is, yeah, like and or and uh and well, their expectation. Yeah. I think, I don't, I mean, I I think that if you're in a, a place that it's it's uh, in any job or any mm-hmm. area where your expectations of what it was going to be are being met. Mm-hmm. You're, it doesn't stress you. I mean, it's another person could look at you and say, "Oh my gosh, I could not." But I couldn't live like that. But yeah. you know what? if you're, if it's if you're not being externally stressed by 
by being things not being predictable or things out of your control, you know, you're you're doing okay. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a there was a couple of studies that they referenced. Um, just my anthropology side was mm-hmm. super fascinated by the the studies they did with the different monkeys and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And there was that one study, um, I believe, out of Davis, California, at their primate institute. But they looked at um, sort of the social hierarchies of these monkeys, and they noticed that the ones in the middle were the ones that were the most stressed and the most like prone to, uh, I guess, feeling stress and right. like potentially dying of it because they were there was less predictability around it. Like the the monkeys on the lowest end, they just knew that like they were going to be the last ones to get the food. Like so, they mm-hmm. they had everything under control right. that they could control. Yeah. And they were comfortable with that in a way, but like it was the middle class that was the most yeah. like affected by lack of control, lack yeah. of predictability, yeah. and all that. And it's interesting what they're showing too with what I thought was interesting about in um, with what like people deal with, with with stress and why they were they brought up a few times that it was that it is like predominantly the white working class that's experienced in this, but there's actually been a, a, a slight, not fast enough, mm-hmm. but a slight increase in the life expectancy of African-American people mm-hmm. in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still like they said 25 years below what it's 20, mm-hmm. uh, white Americans but, are. But the gap is shrinking. It, the the gra- gap is shrinking. Yeah, and it's not, like it should be shrinking faster, so, absolutely. Well, it should, yeah. Of course. <laughs> but like it, uh, but I think what they were saying about it too was this is kind of, since like the 80s and this economic sort of uh disparity that 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 the white working classes experiences they're kind of work they're kind of in, uh, experiencing in social inequality like that for the first time they're having they're seriously we are seriously feeling what it was to be in someone else's shoes mm-hmm. and it where it's, it's like oh the system's working against us and there's systi- there's systemic minute. things put in place that wait aren't I, for yeah. us to follow this american not, dream not for me you know yeah and that's and that's the mentality is like well what about me like they're not like oh that's not going to affect me until it does until, until it your really, job really goes does. away you know yeah and then that stress is really real and and there's not a lot of uh things put in place for us that's to deal right. with that and they were saying that the the prefrontal cortex of the brain that allows us to make decision making uh, the part of rationale thoughtfulness yeah and, uh, uh, compassion all those things mm-hmm. but like um, actually physically shrinks and is very sensitive to stress yeah. to the point like a part of our brain physically shrinks when we're under constant stress yeah chronic stress it the you know physiologically the stress um, <clears throat> hormone was really what's supposed to last in a body you know, three minutes, five minutes, while that jaguar is chasing you, right? That your your that's where your we body need is trained to get that. Yeah, get your thigh muscles moving and uh-huh. get your heart pumping, and you don't need to be thoughtful. You don't need to sit around and think about how beautiful the green grass is. Yeah. You just need to move your little zebra hiney down the road. <laughs> get out of there. And um, so, but but living in constant chronic stress, we were never in, built to do that. Yeah. And it is changing the way our brains work. Um, and it, through my education experience as well, trauma, you know, when yeah. children live in trauma, experiences that happen and don't stop. I mean, families oh, man, st- yeah. that have a crisis that lasts, you know, and, and get through it. Or is it a family that's constantly living on the edge of crisis? It, if you are, it, it changes the way kids' brains work oh yeah i mean they're just developing too i mean they that's, are i don't even and it, yeah it is and so um the stress of of the young people today mm-hmm. i'm hearing uh, in a couple different venues but but one in this very documentary is, is 
it's higher than it's really ever been. And mm-hmm. social media um, keeps kids always looking and checking and how am I doing as social animals? Yeah. Where, where am I ranking? Mm-hmm. And it keeps chronic stress. It must be exhausting, you know? Yeah. And, oh, definitely. And I there's people like, even in the age gap of some of the people I work with, which is maybe about 10 years, like maybe 10 years younger than I am, mm-hmm. um, who are like 18, 19 right now. And the way that they are equipped to actually, I think, handle and or the understanding they have over that sort of social media, like that hierarchy thing is actually better than people are age. like my age of, of 20, 27, yeah. 28, where I think, uh, I mean, not saying I don't know if that's a good thing, though. Yeah. I just think like the way that we're equipped to handle things, um, social media is one is amazing in the sense that it we are social creatures and that gets really hammered home mm-hmm. in this documentary. And that's a, a, a genuine way of being social is mm-hmm. to, to see people and interact with people mm-hmm. um, virtually mm-hmm. is great. But then, yeah, there does become this like constant comparison. Like what yes. what we show of ourselves on social media might not be exactly the uh, the full picture. Mm-hmm. You know, we kind of show what we want and then people see that and be like, why? Well, that's that's not me. Why is that not me? Yeah. And that's more stress. Right. And so, yeah, that's a whole that's a whole brand new level of stress to put on just the already kind of feel like fighting from beneath thing of like where we're at I know Katie and I have talked about a few times like I mean yeah I would I want to go back to school we would love to own a a home (laughs) we would love to to be able to to do these things uh to even find a job that pays what it's a living wage Mm -hmm. um and those things just aren't there right now at least where we're at Mm -hmm. um and so that's a stress of course and it's uh it's real for sure does it well, and I don't, I don't sense from you two that you feel hopeless or despair. Um, Depends on the day. Yeah. Maybe so. I, I tend maybe to be a little more optimistic. Right. Yeah. And maybe that you are very socially connected. You are, um, you have one another. The other things are mm-hmm. are good and are bright. Um, you know, you just think about folks that, you know, don't have those things. Yeah. And yet in our culture, because of, media tvs and you know you see the signs of you need this phone and you need this watch and you need to have this house which is i don't even understand how young people can afford a home let alone that home yeah and it's it's just always put out there as this image of where you're supposed to be heading and the reality of of the um the the place where people are um that you see that that socioeconomic almost impossibility of that being me today Mm -hmm. um that that does have to lead to stress Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's really built in all around us to the point where we don't even i like i don't write you know i i I think of like advertisements that's just advertisements Mm -hmm. like oh people get paid like you know that whatever it's fine but the ramifications of being constantly surrounded by um you know people who look fantastic or whatever Mm -hmm. nice clothes and nice cars and nice things it's kind of a constant reminder around of like that's what I need to do. That's yeah. that. That's where I need to be. Uh-huh. Um, but when you look back at like where we come from, which is apes and and monkeys and stuff like that's bullshit. They don't have they don't have stuff like that. Well, they, it's yeah. they don't feel somehow you feel satisfied in your life where it is, mm-hmm. and you find your joy where it is. Um, and I I guess I'm also a proponent, um, not because I'm an ape or a monkey person, <laughs> but but just in. Um, the joy is in the journey mm-hmm. and right. trying to find uh, your your peace and where you're at today mm-hmm. and knowing I'm not going to be in this 
it won't always be this season in my yeah. life. This is going to be a this is a really interesting mm-hmm. season in my life. Um, having going through all the changes that I'm going through with retiring and having lost my spouse and, and you know the kids my kids don't need me in the same way that they used to need me. So there's a great uh, freedom, but there's also lack of um, identity that comes with you know within yeah. in this season. But it won't last forever. So I will find joy in this ambiguity because mm-hmm. someday I won't have the pleasure of ambiguity yeah. anymore. I didn't, when you guys were young kids, I was a teacher. I was a mom. I was a, you know, I was yeah. a chauffeur. I fed the dog and you just didn't even have time for a favorite color. So mm-hmm. I think I'm, I'm going to find joy and peace in this ambiguity. Take out taxes from that. That yeah. does not bring me joy or peace. Right <laughs> yeah, now. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but I think that as we see, other things we want it's a stress that wants us we want to move towards being mm-hmm. able to have things mm-hmm. and it's stuff but it's, yeah but it's still things that make us comfortable make us mm-hmm. secure mm-hmm. for sure i mean um and i agree with that too there's like uh sometimes i catch myself being overly stressed about something um like let's say like the bands well like i'm still mm-hmm. i still uh play in one band and i see those things and i uh I don't know. I'll, I get stressed out about it. And I'm like, I don't, you know, I don't know where where I'm at, even just with what I want with music and stuff. But knowing full well that one day, that it could, I might not have it. You know, I might, I might not. The band might just not be or whatever. But so knowing that now, like looking at it now, thinking about the future, it's like I really do want to enjoy this part of the journey because even though it's there's parts of it that stress me out, I know that it's. Uh, it's subject to change, you know, you never know. Um, and also, like, that talking about, like, stuff, you know, like car, money, house, those things, we, to a certain extent, we need those things. Totally. Shelter, yeah. <laughs> you know, well, uh, transportation. Transpor- those are... But yeah. that the sense of community, like, I know, like, we're the town that we grew up in, it's mm-hmm. l- largely a lower income, mm-hmm. like, it, poverty and stuff but there's also a huge sense of community um and like that's that's great there's there's i don't know i I keep the thing that i really took from that documentary was like that we are social creatures and something that i noticed like with with dad passing away with my anxieties getting worse and things i pushed myself away from a lot of social uh interaction um it just felt like too much yeah and it's to a point where it like I could feel that I can feel that stress um pretty prevalently of being like I I you know I don't know I know I, I remember not... we talked that we both felt I don't know if the word was fear but certainly we weren't anxious to run out and meet new people mm-hmm. we weren't anxious to go into even in a party with old friends it just because we just weren't sure how we'd react and you know, uncertainty of mm-hmm. like, am I going to be in control when I'm there? Or am I going to cry? I don't want to cry, so yeah, I'm yeah. stay home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or people be like, "Hey, how's it been?" Like, I don't want to tell you the truth, <laughs> so I'm just going to no, stay home. I'm fine. Yeah, and now I feel mad that I lied. All right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so true, but you know, so when we come back to it, the the stress that 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 that's being felt is leading to deaths. Because mm-hmm. um, I mean, it's were they saying like it was more that totally the, the numbers are more than just like the, the epidemics of AIDS back mm-hmm. in the day I yeah. mean more yeah. more people than I 
thought uh-huh. are being impacted with death. And, but, more, and more people are dying by suicide than homicide. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. That's crazy. More, with handguns. Yeah. Hand, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, more veterans these days are dying, or like actual active duty people are dying of suicide more than they're dying in active duty. And it's over, like, yeah. Because and, of the, oh, really? the stress. Yeah. And like over 50 people a day uh, overdose and die from prescription right. painkillers. Yeah. Right. Which I, I do think, um, just as like a little segue, um, a really interesting topic that they bring up is... Uh, like the painkiller connection and I think that they don't really cover this necessarily in the documentary but I do think it's really interesting of how stress manifests itself physically in the body and how like all the tenseness that you feel when you're really stressed out can like develop into like really severe back pains mm-hmm. and those sorts of issues that people then seek out those medications mm-hmm. in order to alleviate it and mm-hmm. it's yeah like it is tied in with stress even though they don't necessarily mm-hmm. illustrate that. yeah I mean I, and a lot of the working class is like yeah. physical manual jobs I mean mm-hmm. so it, it takes is. a toll on the body yeah. um, we found when and I know it's a little different in dad's situation because he was dying mm-hmm. um, but they couldn't get the most hardcore painkillers I've ever seen to our house fast enough yeah. <laughs> like there it right. does seem like it's we're really quick in this country to be like here this will this will cure is. what Just ails you and we because it's because it's there mm-hmm and um, we don't want to hurt, and doctors don't want us to hurt, and certainly the pharmaceuticals are happy to sell it to us. Mm-hmm. Um, we do look for a quick and easy solution to our pain, yeah. and it's a short-term solution, but as Americans, we're not looking deeper into what's causing mm-hmm. the stress that's mm-hmm. causing the pain. Um, I wrote down this statistic. was um, The United States has 4.7% of the population on Earth, yet mm-hmm. we are using 80 to 90% of the oxycodone yeah. made yeah. for this earth. Yeah. And we cannot possibly have more pain in America yeah. than any other place. We can't. Yeah. Right. So, but we are um, drawn to finding those um, those solutions. Yeah. And, you know, saying this, I don't mean to be critical of it, because here I was just supporting you, saying, yes, please take a pharmaceutical yeah. for your anxiety. Sure, yeah. sure. You know what I mean? So I, I, I just think that... Um, it it is it it begs that there's a deeper question mm-hmm. about our culture and our society that I it's not a simple solution, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I do I I loved how they talked about the social group, mm-hmm. how that does make things better. Yeah, how the being empathetic and teaching empathy mm-hmm. makes things better. Um, I. You know, and I I'm not not one to spew my political stuff out there too much, but. <laughs> But I have looked at the world the last, you know, years and wondered where did the where did the people who think like me go? Because I thought a lot, like a lot of people um, think of other people and want other people to do well mm-hmm. and are um, happy for others and mm-hmm. who are not selfish and and that we're greedy. I don't feel that I'm greedy and I don't feel like my friends or family is greedy. But um, it, it, it makes you, um, I don't know. Yeah, for it, me, I, I think that with that, the I feel like those voices are still there of like, we need to really band together. And it's not like a, a hippy-dippy like, oh, like love yeah. is what we need in the world. It's like one of those things of, I think genuinely the human default is empathy and compassion. But I do think also like we we're saying like around the 80s, like Reagan time, whatever, when... Uh, it really became individualistic. The American dream, how do I get mine? How do I keep up with my neighbor? How do I get this? And so I do think that 
that people an ideological shift mm -hmm. an ideological shift and and now i think the the larger voices of the people that seem really unempathetic and really uh hateful and and which i don't i don't have a lot of uh i know i know <laughs> of I, I I, some of these I would just yeah. say it, when i'm assuming the best yeah. right the people who say the most stupid things uh -huh. <laughs> What happened to you? Because I think yeah. they're the ones being affected by yeah. a lot of yeah. these stressors that we've been talking about. I do, about. but yeah. some of them are in some of the more highly political absolutely. Um, yeah. roles, oh, absolutely. and they tend to be representing our country. Yeah. And I'm not naming a name, <laughs> but I'm just saying, what the heck happened yeah. to decency and yeah. kindness and and caring and... Our resources in our country are not so limited that we don't have it in us to um, take care of ourselves mm -hmm. and each other. And there was a, a, a somebody uh, in a political realm there um, in this documentary suggested that after we go to your house twice and save you from a heroin overdose, yeah. third time we're done with you. Yeah. Third time we're done. Um, you know, you apparently want to be dead. Why are we still saving you? Yeah. I, the fact that, that that came into that person's head mm -hmm. just makes you wonder, what what did you have to, where yeah. did your soul go? Right, or like yeah. where where is that, where is that level of empathy to be like, because and I mean I I'm I'm I've been guilty before of of seeing maybe like a homeless person or something ask for money, and you know when I was younger be like oh I don't know like if they're just going to go get drunk with it, I don't know if I, sure. like, I, I need my money too kind of a thing. But also it's like, when you see an addict or when you see someone like it was an alcoholic or something, there's a story behind that 99% of the time. There's a story. Like, the, people are suffering and people are hurting. Yeah. And, like, there's a deeper, so, like, when you, because I could see where somebody, like, who has never really had to experience um, uh, or been around, like, drug problem or alcoholism, right. um, being like, well, yeah, well, why not, you know, a three strike policy on that? Because they're not seeing that these are people who are hurting, who are like genuinely in need of, of care. Yeah. Um, and what they've been given is, uh, you know, more medication or, yeah. or they've been given an addiction and then said, go take care of it on your own. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and our, and you are less valuable to our society because mm -hmm. really you're a taker now you're not a giver. Yeah. And so you're less valuable and, and it's okay if we just cut bait with you. Yeah. yeah. Which and is I, something they bring up in the documentary about like social Darwinism. Yeah. Our society's kind of built itself up to like really let these people. Right. Die off. If you can't adapt, then you can't continue on. Yeah. And that's so I'm, so, I'm not going to cuss, but... <laughs> it's, it's really it's messed screwed, up. It's screwed up. It's really messed up. So, maybe our stress is showing. <laughs> I know. Because well, we feel in some ways out of control and that this is unpredictable, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, that And then wondering, am I... You know, I am I just the only one out there anymore who thinks like... Am I so Pollyanna that... <laughs> uh, but, anyway, I... And I don't I, think you, I don't think so. I, you know, no, and I just that's something they brought up. Like most humans are compassionate, and yeah, all this and that. And I do think one of the big things, because um, this is like a revelation I had about my own mom, but um, just like, uh, but the, she's glad to be listening. I highly doubt it. Um, I don't think she even knows what a podcast is. But uh, so there's like you were saying, you know, how can people be so lacking so much compassion and all this and that? I think. A lot of our culture has built up 
this extremely stressful environment where these people are so prone to that stress that they legitimately lose any contact they yeah. have with empathy. Like that was something they brought up um, and that you had brought up too, Matt, was that, you know, your brain physically changes when it you're does. exposed to stress. Mm-hmm. And you aren't available for yeah. it. You yeah. just, it's not, yeah. And that frontal lobe, like that is your lobe that like holds empathy and like, you know, mm-hmm. that's where you have your cognitive thought and everything. And so like when that gets affected, you can lose empathy. You can lose touch with yeah, that side of yourself. Because you're, things become more of like, how do I continue to survive? Yeah. And it, so it's. So if anything, yeah. these people are victims of, the own, oh, of absolutely. their own society. Absolutely. But the, the outlet that you hear that is the, yeah. the predominant voice it feels like that we hear is, is hatred towards others. Mm-hmm. Like the, you know. They I like to find a scapegoat. The, yeah, the. The quote so unquote, I mean, it's yeah. like, what do you do though? If if I'm me, do I go up to a white supremacist group and say, "Who needs a hug?" Right. Yeah. <laughs> because somebody here yeah. Yeah. needs some love. Well, because that's you're, um, yeah. It's just it, I, is, I don't it know. is just weird. I don't know what to do. But I think this is where you and I uh-huh. are thinking about next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Because well, there was so one of the things that was also fascinating with like the uh, ape studies was there was this uh, I don't remember the exact. Uh, reasoning behind it, but there was big, like fight, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was a it was a guy who just like researched these baboons in Africa, yeah. and it was he he was basically talking about because um, they said uh, Sanjay Gupta asked him like you know what do you think is going to happen with the future of our country, and he's like I don't know because there's a lot of unpredictability out there, and like things can happen that really change up the trajectory. And he used this as an example mm-hmm. of this um, baboon colony that he'd been following for like twenty some odd years. Um, they there was like a tourist resort that opened up nearby. Yeah. Oh, there were two. There were two like rival two coli- not rival, two colonies but, yeah. of yeah. baboons who yeah. were side by side. Yeah, yeah. And they um, they would go to the trash pit right. and fight each other. But then this huge outbreak of TB of tuberculosis right. came and hit them. And so all of the monkeys that were really aggressive and fighting and wanted to like fight for these foods, the, the winners of the yeah. left the, of mm-hmm. the thrown out food, yeah, yeah. they died. Yeah. <laughs> they all died. And the ones that ended up surviving were the ones, the men specifically, the males that wanted to just hang back and groom with the females. Mm-hmm. Like they were very chill. Yeah. And like Ferdinand the Bull. Like yeah. Ferdinand the Bull. Yeah. <laughs> and that just like completely changed up, like so dramatically changed up the the outcome of this colony. And so it's the kind of thing where like. We never know what's going to happen. It right. became a, it came it became, it became a more docile a, colony. Yeah, and when more aggressive males would move in, with it said like within six months they would adapt to the culture of the colony, which was a less aggressive right mentality. And right. I and I think we, you know, I sometimes just think about this in general is how I we have so many human stresses and so many things to do that, and I know people have different beliefs, but I firmly firmly believe in evolution <laughs> uh, and I do, we come from that's that's our direct ancestry and like i think we can glean a lot from that mm-hmm. because I, yeah i see it with like the hate groups the white supremacy groups it's like i i feel like a disgust you know I feel yeah. like it's like i i hate that yeah but and i have to, i just but i wonder and i do too matt well no, I, I, know, mean, I know i do too but i'm just saying but introducing empathy to beings, that those 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 people mm-hmm. are so Disappointed with how things worked out in their lives exactly. for whatever reason, exactly. yeah. that it has turned to despair, and then it has turned to a scapegoat. This person is the mm-hmm. cause. It's not so far away from what didn't what happened to Jewish people in Germany, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it has happened in our society for before. sure. Yeah. Um, so how do we introduce empathy to these situations? Exactly. Like this is a group that I detest, but yeah. I also it's important to understand that they are also warped. 
from a society that also a societal like systemic system that yeah. didn't care about them. And I do think there there are people who are actively working on that. There's a few um, groups that are like post people getting out of those really toxic environments, mm-hmm. and they band together and they try and rescue kids that are like in white supremacist groups and they like try and sort of deprogram them from that cult mentality Uh um and i do think uh for people that are white and of the sort of like you know socioeconomic status that we are like it is kind of our duty to like in a way show empathy so that we can try and help them (laughs) in a way but it's also it's extremely scary (laughs) it's yeah it's and it's really like you know Whatever side of the fence you're on, it's it's wild times right now. Yes, yeah. but not all doom and gloom as far as that prefrontal cortex stuff because they were showing that it can it's not irrep- irreparably damaged yeah. when it, when exposed to those stressors. There's things we can do that actually make it grow and like thrive. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that they were talking about like one was like mindfulness. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean it's just true exercise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. it's one of those things where it's like, I mean I'm I'm as guilty as anyone to be of like. Um, I would love, I know that I feel better when I get in an exercise routine, when I eat well, when I like take time for like mindfulness, meditating, mm-hmm. uh, any of that stuff. I know I do, but I run into that thing all the time. Like who has the time? Like yeah. I, I'd rather get a little more sleep than like r- get up and ride mm-hmm. my bike to work. I'd rather, yeah, like I run into that constantly, yeah. but I know that for me, what I feel at least after watching that documentary and stuff, I feel more inspired to be like, it's not just a personality thing of like oh I'd rather sleep it's like okay if I really want to if I want to keep my brain in a place where I can be a, a better and right. a more empathetic person like it's you have to keep you have to take care of you and your stress so that you're not so stressed that you can't then be uh, a presence that that is that more empathetic helpful, that, right? that you would want to be you'll be an emotional reactor and that doesn't change you from yeah. how somebody else who's overly stressed is an emotional and then, I mean that just I think that I'm not saying like everybody like it's a a thing that that I took from the documentary as well was like if we really want to make a big change in the culture we have to have a big change in, our, in the way that we perceive each other and the way that um I don't know it kind of made me see like everyone's a victim of yeah. of of yeah. something it just it it helped answer questions in my head as to uh what am I seeing here mm-hmm. you know this didn't make sense to me and now it, it has given me a lot to think about yeah and then to wonder you know what can the um, what can the actions of one do yeah. in such a huge ocean of yeah stress yeah but um, and uh, there's not an answer to that yet mm-hmm. uh, but I don't think it, like you're saying it's not just one of us and I think most of us do go about our lives with with the intention of being good to others yeah mm-hmm. for sure yeah i mean uh, uh, i don't know but that is great and you as you mentioned and touched on a little bit earlier mom i think next week we'll have a little bit more to talk about this because i think we're gonna do a whole episode on empathy yeah. so we're kind of get into the nitty-gritty of 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 what that means what right. it is um but yeah, I, I I really thought the documentary was fascinating. If you have access to HBO, absolutely, um, I would definitely recommend watching it because it's it's comforting and eye opening, yeah. and like in a concerning way, but like a a, a comforting sort of like eye opener, I guess. I don't know. I had a lot of aha moments yeah. Yeah, in totally. it, and I love that. And they cover a lot of stuff. I mean, yeah. they they really cover all the ranges of right. Yeah, they like it. It goes from like they explain sort of like the biological aspects of stress. 
They explain sort of like the importance of social connection. They explain the importance of empathy, how policy and like the world mm-hmm. we live in has really adapted to like not be beneficial for us, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I think a lot of people are also coming to realize, which is why there's so much emphasis on like social health care mm-hmm. and sort of more socialist ideals because mm-hmm. we need to. And I think this is something, too, that they mentioned in the documentary of like the the p- fact that the death rate is going down for this particular group that's bringing down the death rate of everyone in society, like that. The, well, the death rate is yeah. The, the or what age I, of death is that what it is? Exactly. Life, expectancy. life expectancy. Life expectancy. Yeah, because the death rate is increasing. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Good. Um, but uh, like essentially, what it comes down to is everybody is struggling from the people all the way up at the top to yeah. the people all the way down because our society is so sick. Mm-hmm. And it really needs to focus in on how we can help each other in right. order to heal this like yeah. huge wound. Because it, it like even the people up on the top who have everything, they're still dealing with stress and they're still dying at a younger age mm-hmm. because they are living in a society that is not beneficial for a lot of the humans mm-hmm. that exist here. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's the kind of thing where like it, we either we need to band together or we're all just going to ruin ourselves. <laughs> yeah, and what I'm what I what I hope for and the something that I know that Katie and I have talked about that I found comforting from the documentary was seeing people who are um prominent figures in their fields really acknowledging that this needs to be addressed. That it's yeah. not just like at a human level of like okay, how can I uh cope with my stress so that I'm not creating a you know this environment. It's like there's also people who can make really very significant changes yeah. Yeah. that I think are also um, aware that this needs to happen. And to me, that's where I'm like, okay, like I, I will do what I can, but I sure. would also like to know that at a higher level, things are being put together uh, to, to help. Well, with and this. I think that, that the start is a conversation yeah. so that uh, of, of the stress we live in within our homes yeah. and our towns yeah. and our States and our country um, and globally mm-hmm. so that, uh, the conversation will lead us to better form opinions and to ask better questions of those people who will be in positions of authority yeah. and power to put forth, um, you know, legislation even. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I am not a, a huge political person. I'll hardly ever, ever speak of politics, <laughs> but but uh, it concerns me mm-hmm. as, as a person um, that, that, uh, that, uh, that our, our society... Um, needs to get some kindness turned around or else or else I want to hear about where it is because sometimes I'm not seeing it on the news yeah, yeah. and um, then that will alleviate some of my stress if <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. for yeah. sure uh, yeah there's a, a lot lot to unpack um, but so I think- when we talk about empathy next week mm-hmm. we want to for sure we'll define the difference between symp- sympathy mm-hmm. and, and empathy, empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll talk about Talk about some of like the actual. I'm gonna look into some of like the actual like cognitive, like biological. Uh, I don't know. Like what 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 is empathy? Mm-hmm. I guess like what yeah. what in our brains is actually going on? Okay. Mm-hmm. Kind of a thing because I think that to me that helps me understand. Yeah. Um. Like, I don't know what 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 does what role does empathy play right. in society? Like what does it and what happens at a human level with sure. empathy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then um. So like for my um point of view i can look and see uh, you know ways that we develop empathy in Mm -hmm. in kids and in each other yeah um 
I know that as you guys were growing up, we talked a lot about how do you think that makes that person feel, you know? Yeah. Um, so we'll, I'll, I'll look into some of that, of how it can be yeah. uh, developed and strengthened. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, you know, it, 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 it starts with this conversation. For sure, for sure. And I know, like, uh, I don't know, stress, what we've been talking about, it's kind of a tough topic. If there's anything that we didn't touch on that you think uh, – that you, would, that you know would like to be added to the conversation oh, please, please please and do watch this one nation yeah. under stress yeah. and write in um what you thought what yeah, you think it was, it was good because we would love to yeah we would love to hear from you um, you can get a free week of hbo that's true when you sign up so if you just want to sign up and watch this and then maybe the season premiere of game of thrones you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, absolutely quick, uh like sort of content warning it does the documentary is a little harsh it starts out immediately in a uh a coroner's office yeah 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 um where he's identifying someone who has killed themselves mm-hmm. so it does kind of start with a bit of a jolt <laughs> yeah it kind of gets you right at the very beginning yeah. um yeah definitely and if you can watch the extras afterwards there's a uh, three interviews afterwards with three of the specialists dr ichiro um Sir Angus and his <laughs> yes. wife. I to, oh, that's yeah. I did not see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there are a couple yeah. little, just a couple little like uh, they're like ten minutes or so. Mm-hmm. But they, it kind of gives more context to you know what these people see specifically um, happening in society. Uh-huh. So well, you know, would I? I'll go back. I'm going to go back over twenty seven years mm-hmm. to Matt, the day you were born in Walla Walla, Washington, yeah. and and um, once you calmed yourself down a little bit, you and I. <laughs> had a little visit and I told you what what your life would be like with me mm. and and I, and I knew and, and you knew at that moment we agreed that it wasn't always going to be yeah. uh, easy <laughs> mm-hmm. but I promised you you know I'd be there for you yeah well I guess I think I'm not the only person who has that conversation when I think of a a mother, a young mother in any country, in Mexico, who may be thinking about coming to a, mm-hmm. a better life. We do what we do because we, moms, I can only speak for that, we didn't start out wanting our kids to hate. Yeah. We don't start out wanting our kids to live in stress. We didn't start out wanting um, things, that our children to feel out of control, you know, mm-hmm. or in an unpredictable environment. Mm-hmm. Um and so that comes back to being a bit of my uh, anchor. One of my anchors is um, I now, my kids are grown up. I've got my grandma, mm-hmm. but it's still there. Mm-hmm. It's there not just for you, Matt, but it's there for Katie. It's there for other people I know and have worked with their kids. It's, um, don't we owe it, you know, to each other to build um, an environment that, that is good for humanity mm-hmm. and yeah that's beautiful i didn't know that <laughs> did you I, oh, no, forget I, that talk you know what now that you brought it up i remember <laughs> um no that's really sweet and i i completely agree and on that note too um uh people my age uh who say awful shit about women all the time <laughs> uh calm your ass because you came from one <laughs> exactly. and, like, and that woman um you know what? She did the best she could. And I will give that to all women. I mm-hmm. really think uh, through all my years of working with, with moms and kids, not every mom has been pleasant, sure. but 
there's a story behind that. Uh, yeah. And that sometimes she didn't have control over. And I just am assuming. And I wish we all would assume that others are doing their best. Mm-hmm. And then work from a positive presupposition about humanity. Not that they're trying to get something. Mm-hmm. That we are yeah. good. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes uh, recently. I read it in like an article about, uh, I think, suicide or something. But it was a it was a quote referring to like homelessness and stuff. It was like, lazy as a concept doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. If you think somebody's lazy, you're missing some context to their story. Right. And I think that could be the same for anything. If you think somebody's selfish or you think somebody's you know acting in mm-hmm. a certain way, it's like you're missing context to the story. Yeah. There's a lot of nuance to that person's life. Everyone does have a story, and you know I'm as guilty as anyone getting wrapped up in the like. But I need to make sure I get mine. You know, I need to make sure that I have a place to live, that I can pay rent, and it's not always easy. Of course. Um, But it is really important to remember everybody has a story, Mm -hmm. um, and everybody along the way, especially when they're exhibiting some very bad behavior. um, And there is some very bad behavior. Turn turn on the news. (laughs) Um, But uh, that there there is some sort of story there. Yeah. And there is cause for empathy everywhere. Um, Empathy, which we will get to more next week. Mm -hmm. Um, Can't wait. I like I like ending the conversation on that little tone though, because I feel like I got a little worked. I got I got a little into it while we were talking about how uh, unequal some things are. But, Do you want me to tell you something funny just that we can talk yeah. about it another day? Uh, yes, please. Because we can't talk about it anymore today because we're about out of time. Yeah. I got a dick pic um. on email this week. Oh, my uh. God. Yeah, so tune in. We'll keep talking about more about that. I know that's a quite the cliffhanger to leave it on. Um, I received uh, quite the, the uh, text message from my little brother the other day. He's like, guess what mom just told me? Uh, and I just thought it made me cool. Not consensual dick pics. Yeah. Ruining Don't everything. send pictures of your dick to people without yes, them asking, without, without their permission. That's a PSA from this podcast. Especially uh, if it's your mama. Yeah. <laughs> Don't send dick pics to my mom or anyone's mom without their permission. Yes. Um, well, All right, Matt, but until then, why don't you just... <laughs> <laughs> well, we will... Okay, so how about this? Our goal this week is to... As a communal goal uh, would be to... To look 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 towards empathy yes. while we research empathy while we uh, kind of figure out what we're gonna do for this next episode Pass also along empathy and then encourage empathy yeah and like there's plenty of times where I'll have maybe a coworker or just out, I flipped someone off the other day uh, in a in an automobile situation <laughs> um, did it help I actually felt a little bit better because he was being. I don't just flip, I don't just flip the yeah, bird I, to nobody. I was gonna say. Um, I but anyway. Did you do it the way I taught you? No, I didn't. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, no, in general, just empathy. I'm gonna this week make sure when I start getting maybe a little in my own little head about like why is this person pissing me off? You know, mm-hmm. be like, okay, what's their story? I don't have I don't know it, and it's not even necessarily mine to know, mm-hmm. but that it, there is one there. Um, so the goal of empathy, and maybe we'll just umbrella that one. Mm-hmm. I like it. Okay. Like it. All right. And that one's not dependent on the weather. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we have no excuse not to get it done. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I love it. And so we will be back next week. Please write in to us with any of your thoughts or feelings at dealingwithitpod at gmail.com. Um, you can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, any, any, of, the, any of the places. Uh, we're, we're there, and we would love to hear from you. Absolutely. And until next week, we will keep dealing with it.